everybody to episode number 47. This is the Glass City Game Time Podcast. My name is Corey Crisson. We have reached the midpoint, actually past the midpoint, of the high school football season. And there are plenty of midseason notes to go over. And joining me to do that this week is Blade Sports writer Steve Junga. What's going on, Steve? How are you this week? I am fine, Corey. Um, it, things have played out pretty well so far, minus a little glitch with the coronavirus um, involving the Three Rivers Athletic Conference. But I think the league is the leagues are uh, kind of taking shape. The league races, and um, so far, um, no doom and gloom. Not too much, anyway, from the health aspect. Thankfully so, and of course, the situations that have happened over in the track uh, with the coronavirus cases, we hope that everybody is recovering and can stay healthy from this point forward. But Steve, as I mentioned, we are, after week four, we're heading into week five of the high school football season here. Of course, it's a six-week regular season schedule, and then an extended playoffs. Really, the playoff bracket will take longer to complete than the actual regular season itself to determine the proper conference champions. So after four weeks, there are some storylines to go over here, and we're just going to kind of go like a mile wide and an inch deep on this episode. Those that are listening in, I'm sure, have a vested interest in a school or maybe a couple of schools or maybe even just one league that you follow closely. So we're going to do our best to kind of go over the main storylines, kind of who's hot, who's not within these leagues. And we want to start with the Three Rivers Athletic Conference. And Steve, in the preseason show, we talked in length about Central Catholic and this being their league, so to speak. So far, 3-0. and Prentice reason over their star running back. 12 touchdowns is tied for the area lead and all of that. But looking right behind them at Fremont Ross, who was projected by the coaches to finish last in the league, Fremont Ross is 3-1 and heading into Week 5. Sitting behind them, Finley, at 2-1, and one, of course, Finley had to take a week off, as did St. John's Jesuit due to positive coronavirus cases. But Central Catholic at the top of the track, and then Fremont Ross, surprisingly to some, right behind them. Yeah, um, you know, nothing major in terms of the prize for Central Catholic. I think people in this area for the last 20 years are pretty well familiar that that's been the best program in Northwest Ohio over that span, um, especially since um, 2013, they've kind of ruled the roost in the track. And uh, I, the only thought I had going into the season was that because they were going to play right out of the gate in week two against St. John's, that that would be their biggest um, competition and that St. John's might have an edge that early in the year with their veteran quarterback, you know, fourth-year guy in Brady Lichtenberg, their very notable group of receivers and that did play out. I mean, they weren't able to knock central off, but they, you know, central won 49, 42 in a heck of a game that, uh, there was a lot of, uh, obviously a lot of offense in that game, but yes, when you talk about Fremont Ross, the surprise of the year, when we took the preseason coaches poll, uh, the little giants were picked uh, to finish last in the track out of the eight teams, and uh, I think the only guy that's probably not surprised about what they're doing is their coach Chad Long. He, I, you know, at some point, a lot of coaches as programs have to kind of bite the bullet for 
kind of a rebuild. And sometimes that involves playing guys on the varsity way before they're ready when they're freshmen, sophomore. And that's pretty much what Chad had to do last year at Fremont Ross. And he had some pretty good athletes in that young group. And the world is seeing now that, uh, you know, the rest of the track was wrong and underestimating Fremont Ross. So it's a nice story to see they've, they've beaten, uh, like last week, they were able to hold off Whitmer, 35-33. Uh, their only loss is to a pretty good, as it turns out, Finley team, 31-18. And uh, that's pretty much it. I still think the hierarchy goes with Central, number one. I don't know that anybody's going to be able to beat them. Um, their game in week four, their game that they should have had was uh, they were going to host Finley. That might have been interesting to see how that one went. And uh, I, I just still think it's Central, St. John's, and then now you look at either Finley or St. Francis, they will have to play at some point. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's it shaped up as expected with the exception of Fremont Ross, which is way beyond everybody's expectations. Let's talk about Whitmer here for a second. Whitmer 1-3. and three. We knew kind of to start the season out, Whitmer would not have a tough time in the league, but maybe they wouldn't be at number one or number two like they have been certainly in years past. What's kind of going on there with Whitmer, do you think? Well, I think it's just a case of uh, uh, worst-case scenario with the graduation situation. A lot of key players were, were lost to graduation. They had a four-year quarterback. Um, you have the best running back in the area last year that graduated. You had a uh, an all-state first-team defensive lineman that graduated. You had an all-state first-team linebacker who's a junior who moved out of Toledo. And a few other places here and there on the team that just, you know, at this point in time um, – they're, they're just undermanned compared to what we're used to with the Whitmer football team. You know, I, I saw that coming in. I didn't I, – I, I think they're, uh, you know, compounding the problem. They lost their quarterback who was going to take over for Riley Keller this year, Kevin Hornby, um, early on with an, with an ankle injury. He's not come back yet. And, uh, you know, he was a player that was going to be counted on for leadership and – you know, they, they lost out of the gate um, to, as it turns out, a pretty good Finley team, but had chances in that game, had turnovers. So there, it's not a complete disaster or a drop-off or anything like that. It's just that Whitmer is one of those teams that you're so used to just being there every year right in the hunt that when they're not, it looks it looks like a dramatic downturn. And it's really just a rebuild, and, you know, that program is too good and has too many players on the roster, you know, to to fall, you know, make any kind of great fall. And I think you're going to see them coming back here in the next couple of years. Yeah, we'll see how that develops down at Whitmer. Like you said, it's just a bit of a down year with some graduations. Let's go to the Northern Lakes League now. And this is really intriguing to me because you look at the top of that of that league, Bowling Green and Perrysburg, both at 4-0. and Right behind them is Napoleon at 3-1, and who just lost Jared Gerdeman for the year. It's a heartbreaking injury, without a question, for Napoleon. And then Anthony Wayne and Northview, both at 2-2. Two and -two. We talked in the preseason show about Bowling Green and how maybe they were sitting a little bit behind Perrysburg and Anthony Wayne as the top teams as far as talent, some would say, is concerned in that league. But so far, all they have done is produce and stepped up 
And one of the smaller schools, they're proven that small school doesn't mean small talent. They have shown out this year at 4-0, and they're tied with Perrysburg at the top of the league. Right, yeah, a good story there. A good coach there, Dirk Connor at Bowling Green. Um, we're not talking about, you know, that they came out of nowhere. You know, they were in the discussion. It was just whether they could uh, knock off a, a program like an Anthony Wayne, which they did um, in a 28-27 game um, that uh, kind of re-energized an already energized team, you know. they And now we're looking at 4-0. Uh, with a trip to Perrysburg on Friday for a showdown for first place. Now, in my mind anyway, I, I, you know, that, that's going to take some doing, um, whether they're going to knock Perrysburg off or not. I think maybe that's where this thing runs dry. But uh, a great start so far by Bowling Green. I think what you saw with Anthony Wayne with two losses already was the impact of their graduation losses. They had new starters at 19 and 22 positions. And uh, I think with what they had done in the previous three or four years, you know, the one year they made the state semifinals in Division Two, and then they went three straight uh, um, championships in the NLL running the table each year and not just beating people, but they almost went through last season without giving up a point in the league play. So when you're at that level and you have that many graduation losses, people just assume, well, they're Anthony Wayne. They'll do it. Well, they just weren't quite good enough to beat Perrysburg, and they just weren't quite good enough to beat Bowling Green. So that's where they're at. I, I think as the season progresses, you know, there's two more weeks before the playoffs. Anthony Wayne's still a pretty good football team, but hats off completely to Bowling Green what they what they've been able to do so far. Real quick, also in the NLL, Napoleon started off really hot out of the gate. They're still three and one, but again, losing Jared Gerdeman for the year. Just how big of a loss is that for the Wildcats? Well, he's kind of there, you know. As you, if you talk to Tory Strack, he's you know they've got some players. Don't get me. I mean, other players. But Jarrett Gerdeman's their heart and soul, backbone, running back, defensive player, at linebacker, and, you know, that's, that's their guy, their bell cow. And uh, he was lost early, you know, in the first half of that game with uh, Perrysburg uh, a couple weeks ago, or last week, excuse me. And, uh, you know, that just kind of it, it lets the air out of the tire. And when it happens in the middle of a game like that, you don't have a time to adjust where you can go back and, you can't hit pause. You just got to play that game through. Um, they're still a fine football team. I don't know if anybody else is going to beat them, you know, but obviously that, that let the air out of their balloon. And, uh, you know, we are where we are. I, regardless of all of that, I do believe that Perrysburg is the cream of the crop, you know, regardless of any team losing players. I mean, they were the best. Uh, we're and are the best team, and we'll find out on Friday. We'll see what happens. And, again, a competitive Northern Lakes League. I'm excited to see how Bowling Green can continue their hot start and see what happens this week. It's it's a clash of sorts uh, in that league, of course, with Perrysburg and and uh, Bowling Green. So Yeah, there was a day when, um, and, and it takes an old guy like me to remember that, but there was a time when Bowling Green was the powerhouse I mean, within the last 20 years um, in the NLL, there was a stretch 
Um, their last title, I think, was in 04 or 05. But at that point, um, they had won four championships in a stretch of five years or five and six years, and they ruled the roost there. And times change. You know, they're not one of the bigger schools in the league. So, uh, you know, some other programs have developed in that time. Obviously, Southview had its uh, glory years and won a state championship uh, in 2008. And they ruled for a while. Then you had the wave with Perrysburg kind of taking over under Matt Kriegel. They had about a four-year stretch where they were pretty tough to beat. That's followed by Anthony Wayne. And you're seeing a cycle now. And maybe Bowling Green's ready to get back into that mix. But they're just they're kind of at a disadvantage size-wise with enrollment. They're a Division three school playing with, you know, Perrysburg, who's a Division One and, and a playoff team, regardless of a year where everybody gets in. The Perrysburg got in last year. Um, it was the standard playoff format. So, again, Bowling Green, Napoleon, you got to really tip your hat to them. They're smaller schools really banging heads with the powers in the, uh, in the NLL. Shifting focus now, the Northern Buckeye Conference. At the top of the division, it was projected that Eastwood would finish at the top. Well, how about the school called Otsego? At the top of that division right now, Otsego at 4-0 and and Eastwood at 3-1. and And then four teams at 2-2. Two and two. Otsego topping Eastwood, really the top two teams in that league right now. Absolutely. And, I, you know, it was decided we had that super week in week two where we had – it was the – just these marquee games in just about every league locally um, where matchups were maybe going to decide the league championship. One of those was Otsego Eastwood. Now, you wouldn't have gotten me to believe that that could have taken place like it did, but Otsego handled um, Eastwood, at least defensively, with 17-7. Came out on top, and I still think Eastwood is a pretty good football team. I think – what they lost was significant from their running game. They had the two best running backs in the league and guys that were players, key players on their state runner-up team from uh, a few years ago. They lost those guys, but they had pretty much everything else back. So I'm still very impressed by that Otsego win over Eastwood in week two. I don't see Eastwood losing again, but then again, Otsego – um, I don't think they're going to lose anymore either. They've got a game with Roxford on Friday. Um, they finish the pre-playoff situation with a Fostoria team that's going four and going nowhere. And uh, that's going to clinch, you know, two wins there. They clinched their first league championship since 2005. Hats off to the Knights, uh, Coach Matt Girwa, his son Joseph Jr., uh, quarterback, and his senior son Noah one of the team's top receivers. It's a really good story over there. And, uh, yeah, um, beyond that, I, you had that pack you mentioned at 2-2, two and two, all teams capable, I think, of beating each other on a given night. But I don't know if any of them can really match anything with top two. Let's go to the TAC now, the Toledo Area Athletic Conference. Northwood was projected to win the league. They're 4-0 and and 3-0 and in the league. Every, every team has played one non-conference game except for Montpelier, who's – Week one contest was canceled due to coronavirus issues, but Northwood currently four and zero, three and zero in the league. Uh, Eden three and zero in the league as well. And then Ottawa Hills is two and one in the league, and uh, Cardinal Stritch at two and two. Yeah, um, no, 
nothing really changed this year from the past few with uh, Northwood. They're clearly the top team. They have a matchup Friday at Eden. Maybe on paper it looks like a decent match. I just don't see Eden being able to muster up enough to stop uh, what Northwood has with quarterback uh, Jay Moten, his brother, Demond Marks. they got a running back, Keon Neal. They've got, you know, a good receiving core. Um, they're a pretty solid team. And, and it, again, their worst enemy is usually their lack of competition in the league to get ready for a playoff situation. Um, and we'll see how that plays out this year. But this Northwood team, these athletes they have at the skill spots this year are – better than they've ever had in the whole time that Ken James has been the head coach there. They might not be as deep all around or as good as they were even last year where they had some more quality senior depth than they do now. But uh, I don't expect much of a game um, when they go to Eden. I, I see Northwood winning that one easy. Um, elsewhere in the league, Ottawa Hills is a decent team, 3-1. and one. Um their only loss was to Northwood. I think it was like uh, by four touchdowns. But you know, they they within the rest of the league pretty competitive. Stritch has some capability at times with their quarterback uh, Thomas Faust, a junior who's third year as a starter, and they've got a good running back receiver mix type guy. Well, he's mostly a running back that catches and passes. Also, that's Dwayne Moorhead, and uh, you know, on a given night, they're you know, they, they could have beaten Eden a couple of weeks ago. That game went back and forth in the last quarter. Uh, Eden came out on top. Um, but, uh, again, Northwood's the class of that league, and I wouldn't expect any miracles on Friday at Eden. Advancing now to the Northwest Ohio Athletic League, Archbold and Wasion both at 4-0, and and then four teams are sitting at 2-2 two and two right now. Brian, Delta, Liberty Center, and Patrick Henry – but Archbold was projected near the top of the league. Wasion, there weren't questions about Wasion's talent. It was just where are they going to kind of finish in this whole thing. And right now, of course, uh, Jude Armstrong leading the way for Wasion's offense. But those two at the top of the league, really no surprises coming from the NWAL. Yeah, you know, going in um, to this season, there uh, uh, the coach at Patrick Henry, Bill Enselman, has been around for – going on 30 years now, um, great coach, state championship coach, had three or four other teams get to the maybe five teams to the state semifinal. And he told me before the season that Archbold had the ability to get to like a state championship game. They're that good. And, and that's a team that went into the third round of the playoffs last year. Um, and, just about every, I think their whole package of skill personnel is back, quarterback, running backs, receivers, all the same guys last year. And it's a team that did beat Coldwater in week one of the playoffs, and that's the same Coldwater team that is ranked number one in Ohio right now. So uh, um, a lot of people knew that Archbold was going to be good. Um Wasion is another really good team. Um, I feel bad for Liberty Center because right out of the gate, they played Wasion and lost by a couple touchdowns. And they come back in week two and have to play Archbold. Gave them a heck of a game before losing. I think it was 42 to 35. So they're pretty much out of it after two weeks. I don't see them losing again. But what it does build is this uh, hype, and rightfully so, for a week six matchup, Wasion at Archbold 
for the NWAL championship, and that will be, in my mind, the best game of the regular season anywhere in Northwest Ohio. Um, you know, you could throw the Central St. John's game in there, Perrysburg and Bowling Green Friday, but I think the best game and the one where you, you don't know how it's going to come out is that October 2nd game with Archbold and Wauseon. Two great teams with great quarterbacks. Connor Penrod, who was an all-Ohio receiver a year ago, switched to quarterback, and he's like, an, you know, an all-type character at, uh, or uh, talent there at quarterback now. And he's got some skilled personnel to work with. D.J. Newman over at Archbold, a great quarterback with running backs like Caleb Holgrief and Noah Gomez and a couple good receivers, Antonio Cruz and uh, Brandon Taylor. Just very solid, polished personnel, a lot of speed. I would love to see that game. Um, and then that will determine a champion because it's the last night of league play. I think the NWAL has a provision to come back. Um, I think it's October 23rd and finish off their league schedule. Some leagues are doing that. But I just don't know how um, Archbold's going to finish the season because I think they're going to make a really deep playoff run, and that might be the same case for Wauseon, too. Two very good teams, and that's that's the game of the year on October 2nd, Wauseon at Archbold. Again, with the shortened schedule, it looks like the season's only six games, but in reality, when you fast forward into the playoffs, factoring just how many teams are actually in, you know, every team that doesn't opt out, basically, the playoff schedule is basically the same exact length as the regular season schedule. So to advance far in the playoffs is is really a testament. And to think that Archbold is being talked about as a team that could do that, you know, that's some pretty high praise coming from a, a league rival. Real quick, a couple other notes here in, in the uh, Toledo area for high school football. A key matchup in the Blanchard Valley Conference this weekend, Liberty Benton at Arlington. What do you see happening there, and, and could that be another matchup that settles that league? Yeah, um, because that league is, is, has so many teams, I think they have uh, it's a 11-team league, there was no way to put together a schedule for six, ga six games where you could legitimately uh, crown a champion because you've got, you know, a pack of teams near the top. And they tried to schedule according to the strength of the teams this year, as, as I understand it. So they're not going to have an official champion because they're only playing the six. In fact, they're playing like five league games. But the game that I think anybody would recognize as a championship game is going to be on Friday when Liberty Benton uh, goes over to Arlington. And they're both 4-0. They're both ranked in the state in the top ten. Should be a you know a heck of a game. I'm seeing something in the you know probably in the upper 20s as far as the score, and that is a game that uh, um, at least for this week, short of the Perrysburg Bowling Green game, the game of the week in the area, uh, Liberty Benton at Arlington. It's going to be an exciting one to watch out for. Also, we have to make a note of Michigan high school football. Of course, last week was week one in the state of Michigan. And this week in the Blade, you featured as one of the Spotlight Athletes of the Week. You featured Blissfield quarterback Gavin Ganoon, who is a three-sport athlete and has virtually broken every passing record possible at Blissfield. 
you know, what are some of the highlights of the conversation that you had with him? Yeah, um, you know, try to find a person that doesn't have a nice word to say about Gavin Gannon and Bushfield. Uh, according to the coaches, you know, he's just an all-around great kid. Um, number one in his class academically is over a four-point grade average. Um, he is a fourth-year starter at quarterback. Early on, he did not play defensive back um, as well, but the last, you know, by the time he was a sophomore, he was also playing in the secondary. And last year, he was first-team all-league, both at quarterback and defensive back. That gives you an idea of the kind of talent the guy has. Um, now, rewriting the record book, it wasn't a, a you know, a record book that had Peyton Manning and Tom Brady on it or anything like that. However, he, he's going to – he owns it, and, I, you know, I don't know who's going to break that one for a lot of years. I think the best statement about the kid in terms of his all-around athletic ability, because he's also, a, you know, baseball is his number one sport. He's going to Bowling Green to play baseball, and he's also a pretty solid basketball player, four-year starter and everything. And uh, the best comment, um, Ron Estes, the head coach of the football team, who a guy I've known a long time, he says, well, Put it this way, um, we have an athletic hall of fame and you have to be out of school for five years before you can be inducted. Well, um, Gavin's going to be automatic when that five-year period is up. I mean, the guy's that good. He uh, has batted just under 400 his two varsity baseball seasons, his freshman and sophomore year. Of course, last year got wiped out by the entirely by the pandemic. Basketball, he was uh, part of a team averaging close to 12 points. He was at eight and a half rebounds, four and a half assists, and a 19 and two team that was just into the first uh, level of their tournament up in Michigan when that got rubbed out by coronavirus. Um, the kid just—I I asked him if he had any hobbies, and he, he basically said he didn't have any time for hobbies because, you know, when he's not actively involved in the current sports season he's you know working on his his academics and he's also working out in the other sports to stay ready for those but uh in this day and age refreshing to see a kid that uh plays all three sports does it well and is also so good of a student you know it's it's the whole package and um very impressive young man still plenty to be decided here with Ohio high school football and with Michigan high school football, it's exciting to see, you know, games going on. And of course, like you said at the beginning, there have been a couple of slip ups uh, with the coronavirus stuff. And again, I hope everybody can stay healthy and we can get the seasons finished out in the uh, safest way possible. Steve, thanks for taking time to join me for a few minutes this week to go over some of this high school football knowledge that you have of course and uh as as the seasons wrap up here we'll definitely be in touch with more thank you again thank you Corey.